Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We're in a series called God With Us. I started this last week, and if you were not able to be here last week or you were not uh, able to join us online last week, I would love for you to maybe pray about going back. Actually, don't pray about it. Just do it. Go, I would love for you to go online and watch it at experienceourchurch.com. It was an incredible message, and it's not just because I taught it. I, I really, the Lord was speaking to me throughout this, and I told people last week, like, this is one of the messages where really maybe four or five other, t- other times I've preached where I really felt the Holy Spirit so strongly as I was studying and writing it, and so I just believe it's a message for our time in our church and in, in the season we are in. So we'd love for you to go back and watch that if you can. Uh, but we are now in, in this series, and I want to I I talk to you last week about God with us in our valleys, in our tough times, in our trials. Well, today I want to talk to you about God with us in, in the waiting, in the waiting. We are all, as, a, as if we call ourselves believers, Christians, followers of Christ, whatever we call ourselves, it, uh, we are all in a season of waiting. We're waiting for something. We're praying for something. We're believing for something. I don't know what that may be. You may, you may not. Most of us probably do know what we're waiting for. But I do know this. We oftentimes go through waiting seasons in our lives. And here's the thing. Well, God, if we go through these waiting seasons, why? Why are you asking us to wait? Why are you asking us to do? Why are you not just giving us what we ask? And I want to talk to you about that today. And oftentimes... When I talk about waiting on God and trusting God, I, talked about, I talk about practically what do we need to do in our waiting season. And I'll talk about that a little bit at the end, but today I don't wanna necessarily talk so much about what we need to do. The title of this message really in the waiting, it's God with us. I wanna talk to you about what he does in our waiting season, what he is doing in your life as you wait on him. And again, he's God with us. The scripture in Matthew chapter one and verse 23 says that you'll be given a child. He's, an angel tells Mary, you'll be given a child and you will name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's where we get the title of the series. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 31, the Bible says that he will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. He's always with us. He's walking with us. And so that means even in our seasons of waiting for whatever it is, believing for whatever it is, he's with us. And I want to show you that today. Luke chapter one is where we get our text today. Verse 11. This is the story of Zechariah. Many of you know uh, the story of Zechariah. This is part of the Christmas story. It's not the birth of Jesus, but in fact, the birth of John. Zechariah and Elizabeth uh, were cousins of Mary, okay? Many of you know that. Zachariah was a priest, and Elizabeth was the, the, the cousin of Mary. And we're, here's where we pick up in the story in Luke chapter 1 and verse 11. It says, when Zechariah uh, was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing in the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him, but the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before birth and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who were rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in her, in her years. 
Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For many, for my word, excuse me, will certainly be filled or fulfilled at the proper time. Zechariah is working in the temple and this, the angel Gabriel meets him there. and He says, hey, God's heard you. I want you to know you will have a child. God said, he sent me, you'll have a child. Zechariah says, mm, maybe you haven't noticed, but we got a few more wrinkles than we should. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm, I, we're a little past that. He says, how would this be possible? And the angel says, no, I stand in the very presence of God and he is the one who sent me. And he says, this will happen. It will come at the proper time. Zechariah and Elizabeth were in a, ver- uh, in a waiting season for many years. They were older, so that means for many years they had been praying and believing for a child. Again, waiting seasons don't really oftentimes have time periods or, or, or on our timelines. And so we don't know how long they were waiting, but obviously they had been praying and waiting for a long time to the point of where now they were older and they couldn't have children. And I love that God meets him where he is. And I want to show you this. What is God doing during Zechariah and Elizabeth's waiting season? What was God doing? I'm going to show it to you today. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayers. In your waiting season, God hears you. In your season of when you're waiting and believing for something, God hears you. There is no prayer that is ever prayed that is wasted. There is no prayer that is ever prayed that is wasted. Well, it was emotional prayer. It's not wasted. Oh, well, I, I, I was all worked up and I was upset. I, I just, I just kind of yelled at God. It, he, no prayer is wasted. God is a God that hears us. Why? Because he's with us. And because he's with us, even in our waiting seasons, he hears us. Oftentimes in waiting seasons, what can happen is we can feel isolated. We can feel like we're alone or we could even feel like God is far. Maybe he isn't hearing me. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 66 and verse 19, but God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. I love David. And he says, he surely listened and he's heard my prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. God hears my prayers and he not only, he listened to my prayers and not only did he listen to them, he didn't reject them. He heard them, he answered me and he showed me and revealed his love to me. It's important to know in your season of waiting that God hears us. In our seasons, when we're waiting for something, believing for something, God is not far. He's not, he's not too far where he can't hear you. See, human nature says, if someone can't hear me or I think someone can't hear me, I need to talk louder. I need, to, I need to get a little louder with my voice. I need to get a little, if someone's in another room and they're, and they, they're talking and, or you're talking and they say, what? You know what I'm saying? What is the first thing you do? You raise your voice level so that they can hear you. If it's your spouse, you may raise your voice level a little bit with a little bit of attitude. You know what I'm saying? Because they ain't listening. You think they should be. Come on, somebody. Just me? Okay, cool. Just me. I'm working through it. We raise, we raise the level of our voice. Why? Because we, we think that we need or we desire to be heard. Well, here's the thing with God. God is not far from you. You don't have to raise your voice. Meaning it doesn't mean that you can't uh, you talk loud to God. That's not what I mean. What I mean by that is you don't have to, content to do a bunch of things different than what you're already doing. He hears you where you are and by what you're doing in your life. All you got to do is talk to him, reach out to him, ask him. 
Winter, our daughter, she's at an age now, she's about 17 months, and she's at the age now when she's in the crib or the playpen and we're not near her, she'll start with dad, dad, mama at a pretty, a pretty normal pace. You know what I'm saying? Like dad, dad, mama. Okay, she waits a second, a couple seconds. She doesn't see dad, dad, or mama. Okay, it's time to, it's time to up the, the ante a little bit. You know what I'm saying? She, she's like, dad, dad, mama. You know? She waits a second or two. She notices there's still been no attention brought to me. So then she gets to what we call just panic mode. Come on, somebody. And she starts to yell our name. Why? Because human nature, that's what it is. It's if I feel like I'm not being heard, now I have to up my ante to do something. That's not the way with God. Just because you feel like you're not being heard or you're not seeing the answers that you want does not mean God does not hear you. He hears you. He's with you. And not only that, he not only does he hear you, he's listening to you. He doesn't just hear you, he's listening. He's listening to your emotions and your thoughts. I love David. He says, God heard my prayer. Many of you have read the book of Psalms. Psalms is an incredible book of really David's just prayers and emotions out loud, written down on paper. And the, if you read those prayers, they're not structured. They're not like all these pretty prayers. No, he's just, he's just casting his cares on God. Why? Because he knows I serve a God who hears me and he loves me and he cares about where I am. He hears you. You ever been talking to somebody and their phone rings, you're having a conversation with somebody and their phone dings and it's a text message or vibrates a text message and they're talking to you and they're looking and they're like. And you know they ain't heard a word you said. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I'm talking about? No, just me? Okay, good. Some of y'all, you the ones that do that. You know what I'm saying? Shameless. So I've gotten to the point in my life, and again, I'm guilty of this as well, but I've gotten to the point in my life, certain people I know, they're not good at, at multitasking, aka I'm the same way, but they're not good at multitasking, so they can't text and talk at the same time. So as soon as they start texting, I just stop, and I'll just wait, and I'll just wait, and I'll wait. And it's okay. I know things are important. I'm not upset about it. I'll just wait. And then after they finish texting, I, I, re, I start my conversation back. I start talking again. Why? Because I know they, didn't, they would have just, it would have just been a wasted a bunch of words because they wouldn't have heard what I said because they were distracted. That is not the case with God. He is not distracted. He's not far from you. He's not preoccupied with other things or other people's business or other things that are happening. He hears you where you are and he's listening to you. And you have to know that so that now you can be encouraged, even though you may not see the answers that you're wanting right now, you know, no, God is with me and he hears me because he loves me. Luke chapter one in verse 19 says, then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It is he who sent me to bring you the good news. He hears us, but he also speaks to us. He hears us, but he speaks to us. In our waiting seasons, he speaks to us. In fact, I would say this, in those waiting seasons, oftentimes because we've removed so much of the noise of life, he, we often can hear him sometimes the loudest in these seasons if we allow him to, if we don't distract ourselves, if we don't bring in all the other noise. Why? Because he's a God that one, he hears us, but he also speaks to us. And I love that he brings in Gabriel. God didn't show up himself. God could have easily come down. He did it in other times. And he could, he could have easily come down and he could have spoke to, to Zechariah by himself and just said, this is what's happening. But that's not what he did. What he did was he sent Gabriel to speak to Zechariah and said, this is what he says. Why, what does that show us? It shows us that God can speak to us through all different outlets. If we're not careful, we can get caught up in, okay, well, I have to be in my prayer closet. I have to have my Bible open. I have to be worshiping, having worship music on in order for God to speak to me. No, that's not true. 
God is in a relationship with us. He's with us. He's walking with us, meaning he's desiring to speak to us throughout our day. Think about it. You're in a relationship with somebody. You don't have to get across the table, sitting, looking face-to-face with nothing else happening, no other distraction, and you just sit there, and then now I can, okay, now I can say, hey, no. You're in your car with your spouse, and you're talking, and you're listening, and they're listening. Why? Because you're in a relationship. You're with your friend and you're at the mall. You're not like, oh, well, there's other people around. We can't talk. And so now you're not going to talk to me because we're at the mall because there's other people. No, it's because we're at the mall and we're in relationship together. We're friends. We have friendship. Now we're walking together and now we're talking and having communication and conversation together. It's the same thing with God in your life. He desires to speak to you throughout your day. Because here's what happens. If we put it in a place of where we say it's a box of where, okay, I have to have my, I have to have my door closed. I have to have the worship music on. I have to have my Bible open. Then that's when God speaks to me. Then here's what we do. Then that means 15 minutes or 30 minutes in a day, we give God an opportunity to speak to us and the rest is on us. No, he wants to speak to us throughout our day. Why? Because he's for us and he's with us and he's walking with us in your season of waiting. Yes, take moments where you're alone in reading your scripture and you have worship music on. Of course, take moments where there's no distractions. But he also wants to talk to you in your car. He wants to also talk to you at church. He also wants to talk to you at small group. I love he used Gabriel because he's showing us he gives us different outlets. So meaning your friend could talk to you and God could speak to you through your friend. Oftentimes, that's how it is for me. I'll be having conversation with somebody. They're not even thinking spiritually about something. And they say something and God speaks to me through them. And I go home and I, I kind of ar- ar- try to articulate what God was saying. And God used that conversation to speak to me, to encourage me, to build me up. They didn't come to me and say, thus saith the Lord. Let me tell you what God said today. That's not what they did. That's not what they, they're just chatting. And next thing you know, something they say, they're just talking. It, it hits my heart and God, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Why? Because this is what God wants to do and how he does it. He walks with us because he's with us even in, in our waiting seasons. And he wants to speak to us throughout our day as we walk with him. He speaks to us. We do, God does not have a speaking problem. We have a hearing problem. I'll say it this way. God does not have a speaking problem. We have a listening problem. We can have so much noise going on and so many distractions and so busy and so many things going on that we can miss what God is trying to say because we're just so caught up in, uh, oh, well, I, got, I, got to be, I got to be sitting in my room and, and with my Bible open. And that's great. But God may be trying to speak to you at your job about your coworker. God may be trying to speak to you about how you just cut somebody off. Come on, somebody. You really ignoring that one. God is with us. And because he's with us, He hears us and he speaks to us. In Luke chapter one and verse 18, it says, Zacharias said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now and my wife is also well along in her years. How could this happen? God, I don't know if you're looking. I don't know, Gabriel, I don't know if God told you, but like maybe you don't know. I know he knows, but you don't know. Like we're getting a little bit old. Like this is not gonna, like this is not gonna physically work out. Do you know that? And I love this. Because Luke chapter one and verse 20 says, but now since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. It's interesting because Zechariah was a priest. He was working in the temple. 
The Bible says, and we'll read it in a moment, that he was a man that was considered righteous in the eyes of God. It said that he was careful to obey all that God asked. So he was one who was, who was living the way God wanted him to live, but yet still through the pattern of life, or the process of life, and through the process of waiting for what it is that he was believing for and not receiving, he still had doubt. And this is what can happen in life. We can walk through things, be believing for things, be hoping for things, and we don't receive them. And so subconsciously, we can just get to the point where, well, maybe God just doesn't care about that. Or maybe God just too busy doing other things. Or maybe God just doesn't want me to, doesn't want me to, whatever it may be, I don't know, but we can get caught up in the thought processes of thinking this, and here's what happens. Then it can cause us to doubt God's character in our lives. And here's what I know about the waiting season. He hears us. He speaks to us, but he also desires to work in us. During the waiting season, it's an incredible opportunity to allow God to work in us. God wanted to reveal this to his, li- to his heart and re- remove this doubt in his life, to work in his heart. I would say this, in our time of waiting, very often things that are negative in our lives are exposed. I don't know one person that likes to wait. I don't know one person that will say, man, you know what? I love going to a restaurant and I love waiting two hours for a table. I've never met somebody that they're sitting at a table and they're across from you like, man, it's been so fun that the waitress or the waiter hasn't come and talked to us in 30 minutes. Man, this is awesome. I've never met somebody that's hungry waiting on food and says, man, this is so incredible that we've been here an hour and we haven't gotten our food. Man, I love this. This is so awesome. Nobody likes to wait. And so here's what happens though. When we begin to wait, here's what happens. Y'all know this. When we're waiting for something, emotions start to become exposed. It's the same thing with God naturally, but it's also the same thing with God. When we're waiting on him, there's things in our hearts that can be exposed. Okay, you know what, God, am I really trusting you the way that I say you are? Am I really saying and believing that you're over everything like I'm singing that, I, that you are? God, am I really believing that you, you are the, that you have the best for me and you know? God, am I really believing that you, you called me to this season for a reason? God, am I really? And so we can begin to allow ourselves to see if we're willing to take inventory and we're really willing to evaluate. We can start to say, okay, God, maybe you are trying to do something to me. I'm telling you, I believe it. Some, some of the greatest opportunities of growth in our lives are in seasons of waiting. Some of the greatest opportunities of growth in our lives or during seasons of waiting. How do I know that? Because I've, I've waited a long time for a lot of different things. Asher and I, many of you know our story. Asher and I, we were married seven years before we were able to have children. We, we, we waited for children. We prayed for children and we, we walked through infertility. Now she's due for a second, praise God. You know, once God starts, he don't stop. Somebody help a brother out, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you don't have to clap. Pray for me, don't clap, pray, pray. I wasn't looking for claps, I'm looking for prayers. <laughs> but here's the thing, during that season of, of, under, of waiting, praying, believing, God was wanting to work in our hearts. It wasn't just, we're just waiting for something. No, then that would be us wasting the season we're in. Why? Because God it takes us through every season to allow us to grow. And again, we were both stretched and we both continue to grow spiritually in that season and closeness together. God used that season. But that being said, if we're not careful, we can just go through the season complaining and being negative and griping and whining. And then we miss what God is trying to do in our lives. I love in verse 20. 
He says, but since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak. Isn't it interesting? He doesn't say you won't be able to walk. Isn't it interesting? He doesn't say you won't be able to hear. Isn't it interesting? He doesn't say you won't be able to see. He says, you're not going to be able to speak. Why? Because he knew, God knows, we all know, in waiting seasons, it is so easy to complain. Some of us in our waiting season needs to be a silent season. If God's not speaking about it, why are we? Too much? Sorry. Because here's what happens. The Bible says the tongue brings life or death. So here's what happens. We're believing for something, praying for something, but then we're counter, we're literally counter attacking that thing that we're believing and praying for by turning around and complaining about it. Well, I've been single five years. Oh, I've been waiting for this job promotion for four years. Oh, I've, I've been working so hard. God, I don't know why this boss is. And here's what happens. We're, we're praying for it, but then we get out and now we're attacking it with our words. And so I believe it. I guarantee you, I believe. He said, you're not gonna speak, why? He said, it's time to be silent. No more negativity. And I would encourage you in your life, if you're in a waiting season, that you would evaluate how you're speaking about that season. If you're believing for something, how you, what you're saying about that something. If you're complaining about it, grumbling about it, whining about it, struggling with it, and when you're speaking negative, negatively, about it, negatively about it, I would encourage you, maybe it's time for a silent season. Some of us, we see the glass half empty. Time to flip the glass around. See it half full. Why? Because when we see the glass half empty, all we can see is what we're missing. We can't see all that God is doing in our lives. And we can't see all the blessings that we have because we're so caught up in wanting what it is that we're praying for or waiting for. I love it. He says, be silent. And then he says, and it will be fulfilled at the proper time. He works in us, but then he also works for us. When I say he works for us, I don't mean you're his employer and God is your employee. And you can say, God, go and do right now. Go work. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say he works for us, I mean he works for us instead of us. He works instead of us. Okay, let me explain. When I, when I, when I first started a job as a teenager, my first job many years ago, I was a Subway sandwich artist. Now, many of you may not know this because you were not a Subway sandwich artist. Back in the day, a long time ago, we had polos and the actual polos literally said Subway and under them, sandwich artist. I would answer the phone and I would say, thanks for calling Subway, sandwiches and salads. This is your local sandwich artist. How can I help you? I really did do that because I was a sandwich artist. I didn't just make sandwich, I was an artiste. But what would happen was, if I got sick or something happened and I wasn't able to go into work, I would have to get on the phone. Many of you know, and just like any job, get on the phone and I would have to call people to try to find someone to fill in for me. When I would find someone, they would go and they would work for me. Now, that when they would work for me, I wouldn't get paid, they would, naturally. Obviously, they did the work, they get paid. The cool thing about God is he steps in and he works for us instead of us. But the cool thing about God is he doesn't take the benefits, he still gives us the benefits. 
And here's the cool thing about God. When I say he works for us, he goes before us. I love it says at the proper time. He's going before us and taking care of the very things that we're believing for. We just have to trust him and trust his timing. And so we know now I don't have to strive and I don't have to stress. And I have to get concerned and worked up and try to do all these things to try to get to the place of where I receive what it is that I'm waiting for. No, I'm gonna wait. Why? Because when I wait, God works. I would rather be the one waiting and allowing God to be the one working than me being the one working, striving, trying to get, trying to do, trying to get what it is that I'm believing for and try to work it out of my own hands. Me being the one working and him being the one waiting. Because oftentimes when we put it in our hands, God says, okay, go ahead, I'll wait on you. And then the very things we're believing for, we don't receive because we're trying to strive and receive and get ourselves. And all he's waiting for is for us to say, okay, God, I'm gonna put it in your hands. I'm gonna trust you and in your timing, it's yours. And then from there, God, I'm gonna trust that you're doing a work and you're working for me. Why? Because I know if it's in your hands, it's always gonna be better than in my hands. He works for us. He steps in. I love this. This is the story of Christmas that he literally would step in and he would live a sinless life, that he would come on this planet. He didn't have to. He would live a sinless life and he would take on, he would, he would take for us instead of us receiving the penalty of death, the penalty of damnation, instead of us receiving it, he said, I'll take it instead. I'll work for you. I'll step in and do it. Why? Because I love you. And it's the same thing with what we're waiting for. As we wait, we trust. We say, okay, God, I'm putting it in your, your hands. And as it's in your hands, I know you're at work. Whether I see it or I don't, whether I feel it or I don't, we can't allow our emotional state to, to, to we, let me say this way, we can't allow our emotional state to make us think that what we are feeling is what God is doing. Your feelings have absolutely nothing to, my feelings have, none of our feelings have anything to do with what God is doing in our lives. Why? Because your emotional state is in this moment. God is before you, working all things together for the good of those who love and believe. So here's what it is. I'm gonna trust you. I'm not gonna allow what I feel to dictate what, how I trust you and how, how I see you and what I believe. I'm gonna just gonna say, God, I'm putting it in your hands and I know you're at work. In my waiting season, what does God do? He hears us. He speaks to us. He works in us and he works for us. That being said, as I close today, what do we need to do? I'm glad you asked. In our season of waiting, we're all waiting for something, believing for something. What is, what is, what is it that we could do? And I see in this scripture three things very quickly that Zachariah and Elizabeth did that I believe will help us in our seasons of waiting. Number one in Zechariah, I mean, excuse me, in Luke chapter one, verse six, it says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. In verse eight, it says, one day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week as was the custom of the priests. He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. Scripture here says that Zechariah was, and Elizabeth were considered righteous in God's eyes. Now, you have to know the biblical text in the scripture. When he says that he was righteous in God's eyes, they were righteous in God's eyes. It did not mean that they were perfect people. Righteousness, the Bible says that Abraham was considered righteous in God's eyes because of his faith in God. So they believed 
Zechariah and Elizabeth believed in God. And because they believed in God, they were considered righteous in the eyes of God. God. Then it says that he was careful. They were careful to obey all the commands. Isn't it interesting that Zechariah would be considered the one that did everything that he should do to get what it is that he was wanting? And yet he was very old when it came to pass. He was a priest. He gave his life to serve God. He was righteous. He believed in God. His wife believed in God. They served God. They, they did everything. They were careful to obey all the commands. They, they did everything right. And yet still, they were waiting. Why? I think one of the reasons why is because in, in our culture, in our society, we think, in, in our term of uh, subconsciously, I would think, but we, would, we think that if I obey, that it's going to lead me to happiness. In the Bible, we never see that obedience means happiness. Now, it doesn't mean that God doesn't take care of us. That's not what it is. But from what I see in the scripture, we oftentimes see obedience leads to hard times, to struggle, obedience to God. But we think, here's what happens subconsciously, we think obedience is gonna lead me to happiness. And so here's what happened. Here's the problem with that. Then when we get to a place emotionally where we are not happy or content where we are, now we start to look other places and say, okay, what's going on? I need to figure something else out. I'm not happy where I am because it's not the way it's supposed to be. Well, here's the thing. Obedience has nothing to do with our happiness. Obedience has to do with faithfulness to him. So what can, we do in our, what can we do in our season of waiting? Be faithful. Be faithful. There are three things he was faithful with very quickly. He was faithful in his walk. He was faithful in his worship. And he was faithful in his work. His walk with God. He believed in God. He was righteous before God. He, his walk with God. He was faithful in his relationship with God. Then it says that he was, he was in the temple burning incense, a sign of worship. He was faithful in his worship. God, I'm gonna worship you and honor you and praise you no matter what I walk through. And then his work, he was a temple guard. He says, it says at the, at the normal custom, I wanna read it to you, watch, 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 check this out. Okay, look, in verse nine, as was the custom of the priests, it was his work. He said, I haven't received what I want, but I'm gonna still be faithful in my work. The three things that you can be faithful in, your walk, your worship, and your work, okay? That being said, here's the thing what's interesting about how it says, as was the custom. See, oftentimes we allow the mundane routines of life to cause us to become restless waiting for what it is we're waiting for. And I love that he didn't become restless and say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not caught up in it. It's all good. Somebody else can take care of it. It is what it is. Because here's what restlessness does. Restlessness gets us to a place of boredom. And boredom leads to stupidity. First Jordan, chapter six, verse 22. That's a joke, okay? Restlessness leads to boredom. I was talking to somebody the other day. I'm not making fun of this person at all. I was talking to somebody the other day. And they're like, man, you know, I got this opportunity. Uh, you know, somebody called me. Like, uh, you know, I've never even been there. But like, you know, I, I'm, like, I might go to Texas. I live in Texas. Oh, okay. What do you want to do in Texas? I don't know. I just might go. I'm like, you're just bored. It happened to me. I, when I was very young, starting out in the ministry, I was just bored where I was restless and I was bored. And so somebody called me up to move to North Carolina. I was just like, all right, move to North Carolina. I was in North Carolina for three months. It was the worst three months of my life. It was like, God was like, okay, go to North Carolina. Now the whole time in North Carolina, bop, 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 bop. Okay, God, I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna go back. Now people are like, I live in North Carolina. I'm like, I'm gonna pray for you, you're in North Carolina. 
Restlessness creates boredom. I love that he didn't get restless. He was faithful where he was. People say, well, how can I be faithful? I'm gonna be consistent and committed to my walk, my worship, and my work. Then I love this. It says in the scripture very quickly, he says, Luke chapter one, verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now with my wife is also along in years. How is this gonna happen? He started to worry. How do we walk through our, our, our waiting seasons? One, you gotta make sure that you're, you're, you're being faithful. Be faithful in your walk, be faithful in your, in your worship, be faithful in your work. Then I'm gonna make sure that I'm not gonna get caught up in worry. I'm not gonna worry. Why? Because worry puts limits on God. Worry limits God. Why? Because here's what happens. When I worry, what I'm saying is subconsciously, whether we think so or not, when I worry, what I'm doing is I'm saying God's not gonna do it. It's not gonna happen. So I have to stress about it. I have to worry about it. Okay, God's not gonna provide, so I have to worry about my friend. God's not gonna give me my spot, so I have to worry about my spouse. God's not gonna give me the promotion, so I have to get, I'm get all, so, ah! why? Because what I've done is I've put limitations around the God that I serve who's greater than all things. And so now I have to get back to say, no, God, I know you're good. I know your character. I'm not gonna worry, why? Because I know that you're gonna take care of me. And God, in your proper time, I'm gonna see the things that you desire for me to have. I'm not gonna worry. Worry puts limitations on God. In fact, I would say this as well. Worry gets us to the place of where we take control away from God and we put it in our own hands. Worry seeks control. I have to do it because it's not good enough the way it is. So I have to control. All of us in the very human nature of who we are are control freaks. But here's the interesting thing about control. It's such a lying spirit. It's so interesting. that Control says if I can, I can control it, it gives me security. If I can control it, I have peace. If I can control it, I have joy. But in fact, that's the very lie of the enemy. Control, if we try to control it, here's what happens. That means now I have no one outside of myself that can take care of this. That means now if I'm not good at it, it's a bomb. No, I understand now control causes me to have no peace. It causes me to stress and worry. Control causes me to have no joy because I'm so concerned about all these other things. No, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to wait and I'm going to give the control to God. And when it's in his hands now... I can rest and love and know that I serve a God who loves me and cares for me and is going to do way more than I could ever do when it's in my hands. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. If you got to put the song on, put it on. Don't worry. Be happy. Do what you got to do. And I'm not saying don't care. I'm saying don't allow it to get you to the place where you're anxiously seeking out ways to try to figure, no, God, I'm just gonna trust you because I know you're bigger than what I see in my life. Be faithful, don't worry. And lastly, in Luke chapter one and verse 42, it says in a loud voice, this is Elizabeth, this is what she did in her season of waiting. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women. This is when Mary goes just a few days after the angel visits her, tells her that she's gonna have a son named Emmanuel, who'd be the son of God. She runs off to Elizabeth's home and this is when Mary enters the home. She's, she's in a loud voice exclaiming, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped 
for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises. And Mary said, check this out. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. and My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. What do we do during our waiting seasons? One, be faithful in your walk, in your worship, in your, in your, in your uh, work. Be faithful. But then two, stop worrying. Give it to God. Let go of control and let God be God. Put trust in him. And then thirdly, celebrate others. Isn't it interesting that Elizabeth, the baby, leaps in her womb? Something that she had been, been believing for for years. She's experiencing and she's seeing God move. And isn't it interesting? I'm sure she was praising God on her own. That's not what I'm saying. But isn't it interesting? She doesn't celebrate. Oh my goodness, my child. God has blessed me. God has cared for me. And she's not celebrating. Isn't it interesting that she puts and turns her celebration to Mary? One of the greatest things, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Ash and I did this. One of the greatest secrets of in your waiting season, one of the greatest secrets of walking through your waiting season, I believe it with all my heart, is celebrating others. That you would celebrate with them the very thing that you are believing for, that you would celebrate as if you were the one receiving it. Ashley and I did it. I can't tell you how many in the seven years that we waited, I can't tell you how many people got pregnant. I can't tell you how many people came to us and we got this, we got twins, we got all, all of and can I tell you, and this is the honest truth, every single one of them, we celebrated like it was our own. We celebrated like it was us receiving the promise. Now, was it, did we have hard times? Of course. Did we cry? Of course. Did we pray? Of course. Did we seek God and wonder why? Of course. Did we ask why? Of course. But it didn't keep us from celebrating others. Why? Because I know it's so important that we would do that. Why? Because it takes our eyes off of us and it puts it on something bigger than ourselves. Isn't it interesting? I'm closing, I promise, for like the 15th time. Isn't it interesting that Elizabeth celebrates Mary and the very first thing Mary says is she starts to worship God and give glory to God. From what we can see in the scripture, you can read it all you want. When the angel came, and met with Mary and said, you're going to have a child, the son of God, Emmanuel. She never once worships or praises God. She does say that let everything that you have said come to pass. She trusted God, but she did not worship or praise God. Isn't it interesting? The very first time that Mary, we see in the scripture, worships or praises God is when someone else celebrates her. Your celebration for someone else, even though you want it so bad and even though you've been praying and you've been seeking and you've been crying and you've been wanting, even though when you say, you know what I'm gonna do, I'm still gonna turn around and celebrate what God is doing in your life. What you're doing is you're giving people an opportunity to see, you know what, God really is moving in my life. You know what, God really has blessed me and it can change their hearts to glorify God because everything that we do, Everything that we do should always turn us and others to glorifying God. It's not about us and our needs and our wants. 
Yes, God wants to provide for us. Yes, he wants to take care of us. But that's not the goal and the purpose. The goal and the purpose is that in everything we do, we turn people to him, to glorify him. I want to encourage you in your waiting season. He's with you. Not only is he with you, oh my goodness, does he hear you. He hears you, he knows, he's listening. He's not far from you and he's not distracted from you. He hears you and he's speaking to you. He desires to speak to you about your life and he desires to work in you in your season. He desires to know that you would give him control because he's wanting to work for you instead of you. But we gotta be faithful. We gotta let go of all the control and stop worrying and saying, God, it's yours. And let's be a church, a body of believers that celebrates others. That says, you know what? I may not have it the way that I want it, but I'm gonna celebrate you because I know that if God's blessing you, it's a sign that God's gonna bless me. It's a sign that God's gonna celebrate. I I can't tell you how many times I must have told Ashley, you know what, he did it for them. So he's gonna do it for us. If he can do it for you, he can do it for me. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. I don't know what it is you're believing for, but I'm telling you, we serve a God who loves you so much that in your season, where you may feel so far, I want you to know he loves you, he cares for you, he's there for you, and he's working on your behalf. Just put control and trust in him and let him do what only he can do. This is the God that we serve. He's a God that is good. Even we may not feel like he's good or see the things that we think will make him good, he's good. Amen? Can we pray today, Father?